Hello and welcome to Deb and Friends Quest for Connection podcast. I am Deb Bowen, your anchor host for this show, and we are so delighted and honored that you are joining us yet again this week. I can't tell you all how much we appreciate getting emails and messages on Facebook from you, letting us know that we're in the right direction to um, engage you in thinking about and contemplating and supporting your quest for your connection to yourself, to others, and to spirit. So we are so happy to be a part of your world. Thank you so very much. I'm doing this episode today alone, um, partly to give my co-host a break for a couple of weeks. uh, Everybody's really busy here uh, as the season is beginning to shift into autumn as we move into September. And I have a topic that I want to share with you that's really um, been, has been a focus of my work and my belief system and my quest for many, many years. So I'm happy to do that with you today. So I'm going to be talking today about your quest for the Holy Grail, our quest for the Holy Grail. All of us in that search for even trying to determine what the term Holy Grail means to us. So if it's safe for you to do so, take a deep breath, sit back and relax, and so hope uh, that you enjoy and learn from our time together today during this hour. So thank you so very much for being with me. I have to tell you that um, gosh, when I was a teenager, I was just enamored with the Arthurian legend, just fascinated with the notion of knights and queens and kings and and most of all, that search for the grail. What, what was that really about? Now, having grown up in a Christian household. At that time in my life, I certainly saw the grail as synonymous with uh, Jesus' cup at the Last Supper. And I think probably many of you listening to this podcast do as well. But there's a broader and a deeper meaning, perhaps, um, to that concept of the Holy Grail. And that's a piece of what I want to talk about today as well as the Holy Grail as a metaphor for, for many things uh, in the world today. So that's, that's where we're going to, to be going. But as I began my fascination with the Holy Grail and the Arthurian legend, I was more and more drawn to uh, a place that I had had dreams about a place that I just intrinsically knew was home for me. And, and it, was a, it was a bizarre thing. And when I first read The Crystal Cave, The Hollow Hills, The Last Enchantment, um, and The Wicked Day, four books in a series by Dame, Lady Mary Stewart, in the early uh, 1970s, I knew I'd found home. I knew that that chase for me 
in the Arthurian legend began and ended on the cliffs of Tintagel in Cornwall. And they did. They did. The, the first time I stood on that cliff where Tintagel Castle had been built, um, I was in, in tears. I just sobbed because I knew that one leg of my journey in searching for the grail had come to fruition in standing in that place where I knew I'd lived before, where I knew I had a deep spiritual connection. And so a question I might have for you, and I'm going to kind of do a lot of webbing and weaving, as my friend Linda would say, in in this episode uh, this week, because it is all weavy and and woven together in so many ways. And so I would ask you, are there times, are there places where you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that you had within yourself a deep connection to yourself, to spirit, to place, to a theme, to a metaphor, to a symbol? And I bet the answer is yes. I I bet that answer is true for most of us. And so whatever that symbol may be for you, whatever that metaphor may be for you, whatever that place may be for you, that time period, think of it in terms of uh, a, quote, holy grail. That which we search for, that which is almost attainable, and yet sometimes like gossamer, and we can't quite reach it, but we know it when we see it. We know it when we find it, when we're almost there. And that's, that's part of what the search for the Holy Grail for me has, has been, those grail moments in my life where I have known that there was something else, where I have known that there was a new place, a different place, where I have known that there was a part of me that I could reach and learn from and, and teach myself a new way of thinking and being. That's been the grail for me over, over many years. And so I teach a course uh, about searching for the Holy Grail, which I'll be offering again this fall. But one of the pieces of the puzzle for me in, in putting that course together when I, when I did it originally and what tends to continue to evolve in the uh, concept of, of the course and of what I want to talk to you about today is that if we think back in history, before there was the symbol of the grail, there was the symbol of the cauldron. Both are vessels. Both contain metaphorically a, a healing and magical liquid that brings uh, joy and clarity and knowledge uh, to the person who drinks from the grail. One of, one of my favorite um, quotes in the whole world is a line from uh, Jacques Brel's Living a Well and Living in Paris. And the name of the song is, that, that the line comes from is If We Only Have Love. And the line is, and we'll drink from the grail to be born once again. And I think we are. 
born over and over and over again in, in a given lifetime and in many lifetimes when we reach that connection to the elixir that is in both the grail and the cauldron. And the symbol of the cauldron goes back thousands and thousands of years. There are a couple of famous uh, cauldrons that uh, are on display in museums from thousands of years ago that are beautifully carved and, and ornately carved. And, and, um, and in some way, we know that they were used in some kind of ceremonial ritual. But probably the most famous of those is the Cauldron of Ceridwen. And she and her story come from the Celtic legends, particularly of, of Wales, um, of a connection to a flow of energy, a flow of enlightenment uh, called Awen. And in the legend of the Cauldron of Ceridwen, um, Ceridwen has prepared a potion that must be stirred for a year and a day in order to give her son, who is physically very ugly, knowledge to give him enlightenment, to give him wisdom, so that no matter what he looks like on the outside, inside, he is this amazing man. And she gives the task of stirring the cauldron over to a young man uh, whose name is Gwydion, I believe. And yes, he stirs too hard there at the end, just at the end, uh, of course, near the, a year and a day. And the three drops leapt from the cauldron onto him, his lips, imbuing him with the knowledge and information meant for Morphin, who is Ceridwen's son. And so Ceridwen chases him through... Um, transfigurations of, of different animals and across the land and the sky and the sea. And eventually, he becomes um, a seed in a pile of grain and she becomes a chicken and she eats him. And nine months later, she gives birth not to Gwydion, he is transformed into Talisian the greatest of all the Welsh poets and the magician, who some say was a father of Druidry and whose story, of course, becomes entwined with that of Merlin the Magician in the Arthurian legend. That's why I say these stories morph and change and weave in and out of, of each other. But one of the um, concepts of this cauldron, this, this vessel of knowledge and wisdom um, that comes to us before the grail is also connected to a sisterhood of nine magical women. They are called the nine Morganes. And they give us uh, all of the qualities of wisdom and beauty and knowledge um, that we gain from the divine feminine which I find very interesting if you um, think about that. And we are taught that uh, from, from Seridwin's Cauldron that if we are to 
truly seek the wisdom of the cauldron and then by default, of course, the grail, that there are things that we must do in order to undertake this quest of searching for wisdom and knowledge and beauty and grace and connection to spirit. And here are what we must do. Here are the things we must do. We must be a true seeker of wisdom. We must stand in awe of magic. We must be humble. We must be willing to work for the good of others. We must have courage to stand up to injustice. We must speak for the oppressed. We must be generous of heart. We must trust in our spirit allies. We must have a knowledge of ourselves. We must have strong integrity. And we must approach the cauldron willing to be responsible for our actions and the consequences of those actions. That's a lot. I'm not sure I'm there. Well, let me rephrase that. I know I'm not. I, I know I'm not. I know that there is much that is required of me as a seeker Uh, a quester for finding that symbol of the grail of the cauldron in my life that I lack in that list that I have just read. I think what becomes important for me, and I bet for you, is that we try, is that we work towards finding these qualities within ourselves and our willingness to go forth into the world and exhibit them to our brothers and sisters and to the planet herself. I think that's, that's one of the important pieces for me of connection to the cauldron and the grail is that there is a notion of conscious living, a notion of consciousness, that the search never ends. I don't, I don't think I will ever find the grail, the cauldron, in some kind of complete way. But I don't think the search will ever end. I think that's part of my purpose in this lifetime, and I think for most of us that our purpose here is to be that seeker of wisdom to stand in awe of magic, to find humility in our lives, to work for others and to stand up for injustice, uh, stand up to injustice, to speak for others who are oppressed, to be generous, to learn to trust our spirit allies, to know ourselves and to have some kind of, to have strong integrity and to be responsible for ourselves. I think that's an ongoing process I think that's why the quest for the grail, the quest for the cauldron, is an ongoing process. And so when I think of what appears to me in that list a very daunting task, one of the things I ask is, why do I bother? Why do I even undertake such a 
journey, metaphorically and sometimes physically, to, to find myself. What is, the, what is it that drives me for that? And I don't know that I know all the answers. I, I really don't know that I do. Um, I wonder if you do. I wonder if you listening know what, what drives you to seek, knowing that you will never fully find uh, the answers, that we get pieces of the puzzle, we get a sip of uh, the elixir from the cauldron or the grail, but never the whole cup. Um, and yet we continue to search. And, and I think that that becomes, for me, the key, is that it's the seeking that is the answer, not the finding. That the seeking of the grail, the seeking of knowing myself, the seeking of being connected to spirit, and those moments where there is, there is a finding, not, uh, not a finished finding, but, but a finding along the way. Those moments make the seeking worth, worth it. Um, and if you follow our Facebook page, uh, our Facebook page you've seen that I've posted a couple of times uh, the, the, a song by a South African band called Jaluka. It's no longer uh, together. The band is not. It's fronted by Johnny Clegg, who continues to work. But one of my favorite songs in the whole world is by that band. And the name of the song is Spirit is the Journey. And, and it's about the journey. Not necessarily the finding or the arriving, but the process of the journey itself. And I'm currently teaching a class about that um, that, that probably will be offered again also later in the fall because that's such a metaphor for me in my life. Um, I used to, to take large groups of people uh, to sacred places and may do that again at some point in the future. But, um, but one of the things that I stressed in all of those experiences was that the journey really begins long before we actually get on a plane or in a car or whatever. The journey actually begins when you, when you reach the call to, um, to seek, to begin to look for that which may or may not be eternally attainable. You know, it may not be. But nonetheless, there's this need to look, um, this need to search. And so as, as we think of um, the cauldron and the grail as being parallel symbols, metaphors for uh, some kind of a container that holds for us the elixir of that which we seek, whatever it may be, whatever quote it may be, then, then we can begin to explore a wider perspective of the definition of some of those um, pieces of the elixir, I guess. It's, it's, it's really probably not quite the way I want to say it, but, 
but sips of the elixir perhaps is a better way of, of looking at that. And so if we look at the grail, if we go back to or, or come forward really from, from the ancient symbol of the cauldron and we come forward to the grail and we begin to think about, um, about that just in, in the Christian sense for a minute of the cup that was um, the cup from which Jesus drank at his Last Supper. Well, what I mean, how in the world could you possibly have anything more amazing than the ability to find such an artifact? And yet we don't. We keep looking. We we keep searching. And of course, there have been there's been a tremendous amount written, particularly over the past few years, uh, about the idea that that cup in the uh, Christian story was a metaphor for Mary Magdalene as a vessel carrying forth the seed of um, her relationship with Jesus. And that's a whole other story and and a whole other um, podcast episode, actually. But, But if you can take for a moment the notion that takes us through the Christian legend of that cup, either as a physical cup that, from, that had wine in it from which Jesus drank, or Mary Magdalene as the symbolic cup, the symbolic vessel, and how Joseph of Arimathea, who was Jesus' uncle, brought the cup westward from uh, Israel uh, through the Mediterranean, probably through Egypt, uh, into France, and even perhaps into England. And, of course, there's a wonderful legend in, um, in England that Joseph of Arimathea did indeed come to England, drive his staff made of thorn, a thorn tree, into Wirial Hill, uh, just above what is today's Glastonbury, and that thorn tree that staff took root and became this amazing tree and it is true that there is a variety of thorn trees today in that area of England that bloom twice a year not just once as all other thorn trees in England do but just but bloom twice a year one of those times near Christmas and for hundreds and hundreds of years the uh, flower arrangement on the Christmas dinner table in the palace carries a sprig of holy thorn from uh, Glastonbury. So the idea that Joseph brought into England perhaps the cup itself, uh, the physical grail, or Mary Magdalene is also a part of the legend. There are legends abound about her in France, Mary Magdalene, as the grail and as the teacher who continued to teach Jesus' message, um, not only as his beloved disciple, but as his wife. And I'm fascinated by all of that and had been for a really very long time. And several years ago, I had a very strange thing happen to me. And some of you who have 
listen to my uh, other podcast, um, Psychic Teachers, may have heard some of this story about how um, out of the absolute blue, I started getting messages from um, a being who presents herself to me as Mary Magdalene. And I want to talk about that uh, experience that I've had and where that has led me and and how it might uh, be helpful to you in the second half of our time together. Uh, But before I get into that, let me take a quick break and remind you again that you are listening to Deb and Friends Quest for Connections. I am your anchor host, Deb Bowen, giving my colleagues a little break here for the next couple of weeks. Uh, and sharing with you some information about uh, questing and the Holy Grail as a metaphor for that. Let me tell you how you can find us, because there are lots of ways in which you can connect with us, and we so love hearing from you. I can't tell you how wonderful it is to to get uh, Facebook messages or um, emails from you guys. You can hear our weekly podcast, a new a new version. A new episode airs every Tuesday night at 9 o'clock Eastern Time on Blog Talk Radio, so you can find us there. Uh, That episode is then uploaded on Wednesday mornings to iTunes, and then periodically in batches, uh, we upload uh, episodes onto YouTube. So you can find us on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and YouTube for our podcast episodes. You can connect with us on Facebook and on Instagram and on email and on my website. It's www.debbowen.com, D-E-B-B-O-W-E-N.com. And there is a page on my website that is dedicated to Quest for Connection and my co-host and the work that each of us does and how to find our Facebook pages and email addresses, and um, we, we try to be pretty accessible to you. So we, we certainly hope that you will uh, be connected to us. We would really appreciate that. We've got some great things coming up for you all uh, in uh, the next few months. I'm teaching, as I've mentioned, a couple of courses. I'm going to be teaching um, a course that some of my students have asked me to teach, and that is a course on how to uh, create altars and rituals and it, for your own use in your life. So that course is also coming. So is a, a course in connecting with your spirit guides and your spirit animals. So that's coming as well. So there'll be a lot of, of teaching and offering of courses that I'll be doing in the fall I know each of us uh, has some uh, particular things coming up along the way. I know Roger does and Sherry does and Kimberly does, Dale, uh, and I think maybe even Anita. I'm not sure. So, so there are some, um, some things going on among all of us. There is also in the works a possibility of a workshop or a seminar uh, sometime in October where most of us will be together, and that might be lots of fun. As that uh, evolves, we'll let you know more about that here and mostly on our Facebook and and Instagram pages as well. So if you're interested in wanting to know more about any of 
uh, the courses that I'm teaching or the work that, that we're doing, uh, certainly go to my website and sign up for, at the bottom of the home page, uh, my blog post, uh, my blogs. I don't, I don't send them out frequently, so I won't blow you up, I promise. Um, I'm also thinking about going back to the old-fashioned newsletter format. And if that resonates more for you, let me know about that. I'd love to hear from you about about a newsletter as well. I used to do that a long time ago, and then blogging became the thing. And, and now I'm seeing a lot of my um, colleagues in the metaphysical world moving back to a newsletter format. So I'd, I'd love to hear your opinion on that. So Deb and Friends Quest for Connection appreciates you. Uh, and thank you also very much for um, being with me in this hour as we move into the second half of our topic today as we talk about uh, Mary Magdalene as a symbol for the vessel that is the Holy Grail. So about two years ago, I was in deep meditation, just listening, just waiting, just being in silence. And this voice said, beloved daughter. And I'm like, whoa, wait, who are you? Who is this voice? And the voice began to speak very kindly, very softly, very gently. And she explained that I would know her as I would know this energy in the feminine form and that she would call herself Mary Magdalene to me. And I I said to her, wait, 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 I'm not a Christian. And she laughed very gently and she said, neither am I. I, We are beyond, beyond those labels. So I began to listen to, um, for the next few minutes, to what she had to say. And it was loving, and it was kind, and her message was encouraging. And it was also uh, encouraging me to do research, to validate that she was who she said she was. And, and I, um, she was finally quiet, and I stopped communication and I came out of the meditation and I wrote down the information that I had received and I called Joel, uh, my wonderful friend Joel Hawkins who's a part of this team who's a crystallologist and I called Joel and I said, Joel, the weirdest thing has just happened to me and I don't know what in the hell this is about. This is nuts. And He, of course, was very encouraging that I continue. And he suggested that a stone that would be um, helpful in my communication with this entity was chastelite. Well, um, I said to him, I don't have a piece of chastelite. And he said, yes, you do. He said, Susan, our lovely friend Susan, uh, gave you a piece of chiastolite a long time ago. And um, that is spelled, just so you, if you would like to know, it's spelled C-H-I-A 
S-T-O-L-I-T-E, Chiostolite. And it's a beautiful stone. It's, well, I, I think rephrase that. I'm not sure I think it's beautiful. It's, it's brown, and it's got a cross in the middle of it, and it's black. Uh, that's naturally what, how the stone grows. It's what it looks like. Um, but it is very much a stone that connects us to, um, to channeling information from uh, other realms. And so I, um, I started this, so I found the rock, you know, that Susan had given me, and I don't know why Susan gave me that rock when she did. I, I just kind of put it away um, and didn't have much uh, connection with it. But I cleaned it and cleared it and began to hold it in my meditations with this entity. And uh, the world just opened up. It was a different, it was a different place as I began to um, get this information that was coming to me. And she urged me. Here, here's my first. This is from my journal, from my very first conversation with her. Uh, I come to you this first time, beloved daughter to tell you that I have been waiting for you for a very long time, longer even than your earth time. I rejoice that you are now ready to hear. There are others on earth who deliver others of my messages right now, but you will be given specific information that you can best give. There is much I need to tell you about the stone uh, that you held while you searched for me, and I will in a moment. So, So this was my first like message of of missus of of information from her and and that was the the very first paragraph about that and as we began she began to talk and I began to write uh, and listen to her she talked a great deal about sacred geometry which I also will be talking to you about uh, later this fall we're planning an episode on sacred geometry we're going and she began to talk about um, non-dualistic thinking, which I also had had been studying for a while, and that um, and that we are um, connected to each other um, and the world around us and the shifts that are coming in the world what she called a new world, um, in a way that is inclusive and kind and deeply connected um, in in ways that I don't think we much yet even know. I don't think we know yet um, some of the ways in which we can be connected. And, I, and she's still continuing to talk to me about that and to reveal that. And I'm still gathering the information in, in my conversations with her. Um, I'm not sure to, that's conversations the right word because she talks and, and I listen. There have been times where uh, she talked in, in terms that were very difficult for me to understand. She has, uh, and this is where Dale and I began to connect so deeply because Dale too talks 
with um, uh, folks from, from other places other than Earth. She referred to uh, a galactic council. Um, she talks about time being different than we think of it as being in Earth time. And so those are other podcast concepts that we're going to be bringing you this winter. The idea of non-dualistic thinking, the idea of time beyond time, the idea of um, dimensions and parallel times rather than um, sequential lifetimes. And and much much of the foundation for my way of thinking about the concepts of this podcast came from from these conversations or this these missives that I have received from this entity who calls herself Mary Magdalene. I, I had a real hard time with this. I still have a hard time with this. I'm still not convinced uh, some days that I'm not nuts. Uh, you know, you may think I'm nuts. I, I wouldn't blame you if you did. But, but I also know that there is such kindness, there's such gentleness, there's such encouragement, there's such hope. And I think in a world today, we need hope. And I think that that's the primary message that I have received and continue to receive in these missives. When she mentioned she, and I, because I, there's only other way to say it, um, when she talked about that there were others on the earth plane today who were receiving information from her, I started Googling that. And boy, is that true. I am so not the only person who is getting information from this entity who calls herself Mary Magdalene. And some folks are publishing books about it and, and a lot of different um, things are, are going on as, as this message is coming through to folks all around the world. And it's interesting to me to, to follow some of the other folks to see what they're getting and, and see the similarities in the information. So that, that gives me, again, a sense of, wow, there really is something going on here in a, in a spiritual way that I can't define or even adequately describe to you. But it's a wonderful feeling to know that, that this, is, this information is coming, that this, this grail that we seek, that this hope that we so desperately would like to have um, fulfilled is coming to us in so many ways and to so many people around around the world. So, so I find that fascinating, and I'm very grateful for that. One of the questions that that the concept of the grail, whether you see the grail, uh, however you see the grail, as a a metaphor for whatever, uh, or a real cup, or as uh, a symbol of Mary Magdalene, or, or whatever. One of the questions that has historically been asked for so long in connection with that symbol is this. Whom does the grail serve? Whom does the grail serve? And I don't know that we know the answer to that. I don't, I don't know that we do. 
but I know that, again, it's the idea that we must continue to think that, that, that it is the searching that is so very important. And what do we mean by serve? How does the grail serve us? Is it, is it about the, the seeking, the quest, and that that serves us in a way of opening our minds? Whether you believe a word of, of this podcast or not, it, it's entirely up to you. Uh, whether any of this resonates for you or not, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that for me, the idea of just questioning, just being curious, is such a wonderful blessing. I don't have to believe everything I research, you know, or learn about, but it sure is for me an amazing blessing to be able to just um, look at a concept, think about a concept, and say, wow, I, I don't know about that yet, but I'm going to put this over here, this concept over here on the side for a bit, and I'm going to chew on it, and I'm going to think about it, and I'm going to feel about it, and I'm going to pray about it, and I'm going to do some more research about it until I kind of figure out whether or not this resonates with me and my truth. And I think that in today's world, that one of the one of the prayers I say every day uh, that I think might be uh, helpful to all of us is to ask for the gift of discernment, to to be able to really, with some level of clarity, with some um, knowledge and, and foresight to be able to say, yes, this resonates for me. Yes, this is 